0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 3 of the Mentor Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We're speaking with Ramiko Blackman today, one of John Herrera's biggest mentors and a mentor to many people. Ramiko Blackman is a former U.S. freestyle wrestling national champion, a four-time U.S. national team member, a former U.S. Olympic Training Center resident for almost a decade, a former, not yet retired MMA fighter who has fought in organizations such as the World Series of Fighting. He is currently a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And not only that, he is a college assistant wrestling coach, a coach to many people, a mentor to many people. And he also runs a therapeutic horsemanship ranch called the Sunbride Ranch. So a guy who's been a mentor to many people someone who has performed at a world-class level as far as being an athlete, but above all, he's a good dad, a good husband, and a good friend, and of course, a good mentor. So thank you for joining us, and without further ado, this is Episode 3 of the Mentor Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on episode three of the Mentor Podcast. Today, we are joined by Romyko Blackman. We've been real excited to speak to him in this podcast, especially John Herrera, um, with him being one of his big mentors and one of his coaches. a yeah, major mentor in my life. So. Yeah. So, Ramiko, how about before we, we ask some questions, how about you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Awesome. First of all, thank you guys for having me on. That's, uh, that's a real honor. Um, but um, I'm Romyko Blackman. I grew up in the small town of Cordial, Georgia. It's a small agriculture town, uh, just a bunch of country boys trying to get along. (laughs) And uh, um, you know, Georgia was a that was a real plus in my life. I got to live um, I got to live you know life as a as a Georgia boy really, fishing, hunting, um, swimming in creeks you know um, creeks that I shouldn't have been swimming in and you know, dodging rattlesnakes, water moccasins, all that stuff. Yeah, you've always it's been a little, little
2: bit of a cowboy. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's it's always been there. It's always been there. But um, you know, it was it was a unique situation because my my my, my uh, biological father wasn't around. The best of my understanding is that um, my mother well, they split for one thing, and then uh, my mother gave him an an ultimatum for the most part, and basically said if if he couldn't live a, a life honoring God that he couldn't be a part of our family. He couldn't be around to father me yeah. at least closely. And so in that, you know, that came with a lot of blessing and it came with a lot of heartbreak as well. But um, I think, uh, you know, times like that, that's where God just really reaches out to people and and shows himself. And I'm, I'm sure that that's what he did with me. But um, from Georgia, you know, when I was in Georgia, I, I also started Taekwondo, and that was a big part of my life. I ended up becoming a black belt in Taekwondo, uh, and it was just it was just kind of my thing. You know, martial arts became my thing, and um, from there, um, my mom uh, got married again, and uh, we moved to Florida, where my stepfather was um, basically, they were basically sent there to kind of resurrect this church, uh, that um, they were a part of a a big affiliate church group and uh they were sent that resurrect resurrected and so it was that was a, that was a culture shock for me. You know, that was Southwest Florida in Fort Myers and and uh the drug scene there was uh very visible uh to say the least. And so uh there were some changes for the way I live my life. I didn't have as much freedom as I as I once had. But uh also um wrestling started there. I'd never heard of wrestling before. Uh, By this time, I was uh, 15, my freshman year in high school. But uh, where I grew up in Georgia, they didn't, um, there was no, I'd never heard of wrestling. It just wasn't, I didn't have any access. It just wasn't available to me. And so, um, but um, they said uh, I was in school sitting in school, and they
2: said, if you want to wrestle, sign up in room seven. <laughs>
1: and so that's when I first heard of wrestling.
2: And you weren't thinking wrestling, right? You were thinking like WWE. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that
1: was the only wrestling yeah. I had been exposed to. Yeah. It was, you know, back then it was WWF with Hulk Hogan. And you thought you
2: were going to be hitting people with folding chairs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I'm thinking Randy Macho Man Savage. And, was, and I wanted my character. That's like, I wonder what kind of uniform they're going to put me in. Yeah. <laughs> and so I walk into, you know, the wrestling room in... Uh, there's no, there's no ring. There's not, there's none of the things that I was used to seeing, you know, watching WWF. And uh, and a big part of this motivation was my grandfather. He had just died, and he was a big part of my life. He was uh, the reason why I was doing all the hunting and fishing yeah. that I was doing. He just took me along, and and that's just who he was. Um, but anyways, um, he loved it. I think he, but I think he actually believed it. Yeah, I don't think he. knew yeah, yeah, I don't think he knew that you know the matches were scripted, and so um, um, I wanted to honor him, and so I signed up for wrestling, and um, and I'm, I was in the room just looking at all these matches. I was like, What in the world is all this stuff? But um, you know, it's, that's that's where I stayed, and for did, a while. Did you like it?
0: Like when you first started? I, did you, you like know, it?
1: I, I did like it. I uh, that's an that's an interesting question. Um, I liked the challenge of it because I didn't it, it wasn't anything that I was familiar with. You know, I was familiar with, you know, what we did in Georgia we called it tussling. You know, if we got in a fight and there were, if there were no hands thrown, it was just kind of tossing each other around. And that's where I got to use WWF moves. And so is it was that's like like I said before, that's what I thought we were going to be doing, but um I I liked the challenge of it. But uh I didn't know enough of it
2: to actually like it because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, well, what's so wild to me is how well you did in wrestling and how little exposure you had to it as a child, because you didn't, you didn't come from a wrestling family. Most of these, most of these kids now you're seeing are, you know, winning the NCAA championships and everything. And D1, D1, all American wrestlers are guys that have come from a, a wrestling family that's been wrestling for generations. Yes, and, and come through so that that all you know speaks to your commitment to the sport, but it also speaks to your athletic ability to yeah. be able to to come through. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But. I was going to yeah.
0: say, I mean, so I wrestled in high school, but I only wrestled for two years. And I literally only did it because I thought it would get me in shape for football, you know, (laughs) and I hated it (laughs) Hated it because it's an easy sport to hate, dude, not, you know, do. And I'm sure it was just as bad, if not worse, but it's like the, the three or four mile run on the front end just to start practice. And then you're wrestling for an hour or more, you know, and then if you're weight cutting, like I used to cut from like 215 to 189. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. You uh, know, that's, that's a hard terrible, cut right there. Terrible. Buddy. Yep. So, anyway, so you got into wrestling. Obviously, enjoyed it. Or, well, you got acclimated to it, let's say. Right.
1: I, I got acclimated to it. Uh, it was, uh, you know, in, in terms of fun, it, it wasn't fun at all. But, you know, what sold it to me was my high school coach, uh, Frank Drake. He said, uh, Ammo, that was the nickname he gave me. He said, Ammo, wrestling is a tough do. I never thing knew that. that was your nickname. That was yeah. it. <laughs> Ammo, short for ammunition. I, I love that. Yeah. But,. uh. He said, uh, wrestling is the toughest thing you can do. And so that stuck with me because I considered myself, you know, a tough individual, you know, even at, you know, the age of uh, 15 back then. And I was like, that's the toughest thing you can do? And so I was like, I'm in then. Yeah. But I got my butt kicked, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I got my butt kicked every day for the most part. And uh, that was your freshman
2: year? This is my freshman year. Okay.
1: And I wrestled uh, GM varsity. So nothing exciting, um, you know, was revealed at that time. Um, but, um, at least from my perspective, you know, it was, it was getting my butt beat every day, but I was tough, you know, that was enough. <laughs> and so, uh, and it was training, you know, I had already spent, you know, quite a bit of my life train in training on my own, uh, with martial arts. Um, uh, most of the martial arts I did as a kid, yeah, I trained on my own, you know, classes were only an hour. Yeah. And so uh, there's <laughs> this. There's so much that you don't learn, you know, if you're only going to go an hour. Yeah, you, you just can't. Certainly. And so I was hungry enough to always uh, go beyond, you know, whatever. I mean, all I was martial arts given. like that. We just drilled yeah. for an hour here before exactly. doing this. So
2: you got to get that time outside of the regular. Absolutely, gym
1: time. absolutely. And I've always said, you know, if, if you want if you want to be good at something, you got to make it your own. Mm-hmm. You have to, otherwise, you, you're you're renting. You know, all the moves and all the technique belong. All the techniques belong to your coaches. Yeah. Uh, you have to have ownership of the deal. And so uh, I understood that early on. Um, and so I've always been drilling on my own, um, doing extra work on my own, sprints on my own, uh, just all the stuff that make martial arts tough. Yeah. Um, but um, but no, I didn't I didn't necessarily like the sport. I liked the challenge of the sport. You know, there are there kids standing in front of me that could kick my tail. And I had a problem with that. I hated losing, hated losing, and so that you know it, it kept me around the sport for a long time. And you know, by the time um, my senior year had come around, I kind of put taekwondo to the side. Uh, wrestling is uh, it's a jealous, it's a jealous girl, and so you, you it requires all of your time. Yeah. And um, and the same with jiu-jitsu. You know, I see you guys have been around me long enough to know that I see wrestling and jiu the same. Yeah. Um, I'm just getting exposed to positions that I haven't learned how to wrestle in yet. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, you definitely wrestle in a lot of jujitsu jitsu positions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like how I walked into your armbar step-by-step today. <laughs> I was wrestling, man. I was wrestling. <laughs> but uh, anyways... Um, um, so by the time my senior year came around, um, I was, um, uh, Taekwondo was somewhat behind me. Um, and I had, I had a lot of focus on wrestling and, um, you know, I wanted to become a state champion. And I wanted to become a state champion, uh, not just for the title, but so I could be done with this <laughs> crazy sport. Because I knew if I got a state title, I, I, that'd be it for me. You know, that was the pinnacle of success for me. And I could go and live out my beach life in Florida and and that be it. And uh, it, it was just it was just tireless work. You know, there's it was my coach and I and, and most of the time just he and I running three miles before practice. And then we had wind sprints after practice, some crazy weightlifting. You know what, though? What
2: a coach to do that with you.
1: What's that? What
0: a good coach to he, do that. Great with coach. You. He did it yeah. with you. He did it with me. Yeah. was also cool. the cross country coach.
2: I tell you what, John. I'm not running three miles
0: with you, dude. Before jiu-jitsu. and and none of our none of my wrestling coaches ever <laughs> would either. They probably physically couldn't do that. Yeah. No, he went the extra mile. He even
1: went extra, extra. He he actually told me my sophomore year. He he said, uh, "Amo, if you don't wrestle or if you don't run cross country for me, your sophomore year, I'm not going to let you wrestle varsity." So I became a cross-country runner. Nice, uh, And, and uh, it was another thing. I, I, I love, you know, what I got out of cross-country. But, man, putting in all those miles, uh, just like all, all that time on the mat, it was just, it was just absolute insanity um, because it was everything was just, there was no low-intensity um, mode yeah. um, for the most part. And so, um, but anyways, bless you um but anyways um um my senior year came and um you know I went undefeated until I got into the state finals and uh I I tried a move that backfired on me and uh ended up on my back and and uh oh, got pinned and it, I was devastated I was devastated you know I worked so hard for this and I wanted to be done with this sport I wanted to be done with wrestling. Um, Maybe it was a blessing then, right? Absolutely a blessing. Absolutely a blessing. You know, I recently, uh, about a year ago, I talked to um, the guy that beat me, uh, John Lane from Springstead High School. Um, But I recently talked to him, um, and he said that, uh, you know, my my victory over you in, in high school got me a collegiate scholarship. I got to go to school for that because I I won that. Yeah. So they're got, blessings. Got, all yeah, over it was a blessing for him. There. Yeah. And I told him, man, that's awesome. I'm so so glad you told me that. I said, you beating me caused me to beat the very best in the world. Yeah. Because I I, I had to carry that that hunger and that motivation that came from that loss uh, with me, um, you know, into my, into my thirties, into forties actually. Yeah. And so um, the Olympic champion got beat because John Lane beat me. Yeah. Ben Ashkin got beat because John Lane beat me. Yeah, And so in the same with all the other world-class wrestlers that I've faced, um, but um, I, I just hated losing. And I was always trying to get to the next pinnacle of success. Uh, I ended up going to junior college uh, after uh, high school, uh, in Colby, Kansas, nice. and uh, I wasn't, I was actually on my way to the Marines. And then uh, at the very last minute, I changed my mind in, in uh, with the, with the advice of some coaches, um, who Willie Gatson was one of them who eventually became a uh, collegiate coach in division one. Uh, he just convinced me and said, Hey, you need to be
2: wrestling. Yeah.
1: And you know, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a bittersweet emotion that came after he said that I was like, ah, more, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> <again>? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, uh, at the very last minute, um, uh, I put my plans to go to the Marines aside, and uh, I went to Colby, Kansas. And that was the only—that was about the only school uh, that I could go to. Every, you know, all the scholarship money was taken um, because I'd waited so late, and I ended up uh, getting getting there uh, a day after school started. And uh, that was a whole other different experience. And, and you guys have been around wrestlers enough to know that they're wrestlers are savages. They're, they're Neanderthals. Yeah. And uh, I
2: remember grit is the, yeah. the word that comes to mind with. High-level wrestling. Yes,
1: and they live like that, you know, on the mat and off the mat. Um, right. My uh, first collegiate coach, Steve Lamping, who wrestled with uh, – he was on the same team as uh, um, the legend Gable, Dan Gable. He, uh, he said, do you want to live in the wrestler dorm or the basketball dorm? There's only two left. You pressed that two basketball, huh? <laughs> I said, first, take me to the wrestler dorm. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And I'm watching these guys. They're, I'm looking at them all. There's there's spit cups everywhere. Their feet up on the coffee table, and they're living like they just they they're living like they just got out of a war and, and getting ready to go to another. Yeah. And so I so I said I can't live with these guys. <laughs> Take me to the basketball uh, dorm. <laughs> that's, that's funny, man. I love that. And so. Um, Um, but, um, you know, I, obviously, you know, I wanted to be a national champ there. I ended up, uh, taking third in the nation there and becoming an All-American there. Again, uh, you know, uh, another loss, man. It, 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 it just felt like such a setback. I couldn't put this sport behind me. What
2: tournament was this one?
1: This was, uh, the, um, National Junior College, uh, uh, NJCAA. Okay. Um, and so I ended up taking third there. Um, and, um. From there, I went on to Division One, um, to uh, Eastern Michigan University with um, Willie Gatson. Willie Gasson was another world class. Is that person. where you
2: knew Mary Kelly? Is no, that where she was. Mary
1: Kelly, I knew at the Olympic Training Center. Okay, okay. Uh, just... Mary Kelly, was, she she was a beast. Yeah. Uh, but um, but Eastern Michigan uh, was my you know shot at getting an NCAA title, Division One NCAA title, and. Um, um, but you know, some injuries, you know, follow, uh, with that, you follow alongside that journey. Um, I think my junior, that was my junior year by that time. And, um, I'd had, um, bursitis in my knee and, uh, some other injuries that kind of kept me out of the game. And in my senior year, I made it to the national tournament and ended up losing to, uh, one of Gable's guys. Yeah. Um, Eye Mike Euchre. Yeah. And he was, uh. I had no um, no thought process of what Greco Roman wrestling was was then, but I later learned that he was a Greco wrestler. I remember just bear hugging him for for like five times. You know, where everybody else went down to the mat, he didn't go down. I was like, "What in the world is this?
2: (laughs) (laughs) How's this guy still up?"
1: So he's not supposed to be standing up in my bear hug. Yeah. But uh, anyways, he ended up beating me by a point. Um, But you know, I had some uh, some. Small measures of success, you know, I ended up beating uh, the number two. I was, you know, I was ranked number seven uh, during that time. And I ended up beating the number two guy in the weight class, which was uh, Russ Hughes, uh, one of those PA wrestlers. Man, he was just a a tough, hard-nosed, you know, one of those wrestlers that's been wrestling since he was seven years old, uh, competing around the world as a cadet and junior. Um, And the number one guy is uh, Chris Bono. who, um, um, eventually, I met uh, on the world circuit. Yeah, and uh, we had we we exchanged we exchanged um, some victories uh, over each other on the world circuit. Um, but I won I won the U.S. Open uh, against him in the finals, and he beat me in world team trials. But we had, we had battles on and off um, for the first three four years of my career. Very cool. But, um, you know, at the wrestling, um, um, I finished up, you know, um, with the um, three-time uh, Olympic alternate, um, U.S. national champ, uh, four-time uh, national U.S. national team member, along with some international titles in between. And so, it was a, you know, it was a good journey. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good journey. Obviously, my goal was to become an Olympic champion and... Um, um, never got crowned there. I've beaten the Olympic but champion, still I've a very successful wrestling yeah. career. Yeah, it, it was successful. Um, but I was grateful I got to face the Olympic champion twice. He beat me once, uh, and I beat him once. And um, um, it was it was a good time. You know, I, I grew a lot. You know, I basically from a from a boy to a man. Yeah. in a in a lot of ways, in a lot of aspects.
2: Well, I think that segues into my first question pretty well mm-hmm. um you talked a little bit about taekwondo mm-hmm. uh, wrestling and you played football um you you had a mixed martial arts career after your wrestling career you're currently training jiu-jitsu pretty extensively mm-hmm. um who are some of the mentors that you've met along the way uh who are you who are your mentors it could be taekwondo it could have been wrestling. It could be mixed martial arts. I know Drew Lawrence is your mentor in mixed martial arts right now. I know Marcelo is your mentor in jiu-jitsu right now. Absolutely. Um, who, who, are, who are some of your mentors you've, you've had along the way? And I'll just throw my, my second question in along with this. What are the characteristics you seek out in those people um, and that you sought out in the people who have mentored you up to this point in your life? So. Well, uh, mentors,
1: man, I've, I've
2: had so many
1: um, and you know, just to just to start out uh, with my early mentors, uh, my my mother, uh, my grandmother, and um, my stepfather, um, and characters from the Bible. More than anything, characters from the Bible. Okay. okay. Um, th- there's just so there is you know to me there is so much uh, to learn there um, because they were they were so flawed.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> they were so flawed, but then you see the grace of God just come, just come over and and, and cover their mistakes and um, give them a you know, um, kind of an air of perfection. Uh, and I and I always, I was just always amazed by that. It's like because you know I'm thinking, wait, you can be that, you could make that many dumb decisions and still end up doing well. That was fascinating to me. Um, because uh, I made a lot of dumb decisions <laughs> yeah. as, as we all did
2: um, if I may interrupt for a second you mentioned earlier that you had a, a little bit of a lack in male mentorship growing up in Georgia and Florida Right. do you feel um, like that that love for God and that knowledge of the Bible and those characters of the Bible that you mentioned previously filled that gap for you growing up absolutely 100%
1: okay. um, you know because I didn't have a you know a physical father in in place, uh, it it forced me to look at um, our heavenly father, yeah. um, his characteristics, uh, how he decided things, why he made decisions, uh, and you know in, in in all honesty, his his son Jesus, I I admired that relationship. Um, it was just it's it was it was. It was you know, the, it was my foundation, really, in all yeah. honesty, and so it helped me. And I and I spoke about that because that was the foundation of, of mentorship for me. But um, that foundation helped me to choose mentors throughout my life. Um, and for the most part, you know, it, it was when I, when I chose mentors, they just had to have have some fruit on the tree, some fruit that I didn't have. Um, like if I if I wanted, um, you know, if if you want if you want Apples in your life, yeah. Uh, you you need you you need that you need that fruit. You, you got to find a tree. Well, that's and it has, to have what the fruit.
2: John and I were talking about on our, our first episode was you have to be around competent people, yeah. And people, you know, if you want a skill, you need someone who's hopefully very good at it. Very good at that specific absolutely. skill. So absolutely, yeah. and a skill can be anything. A skill, a skill can be compassion. A skill can be jujitsu or right. wrestling. So
1: right. You know, I've had I've had great business mentors, but I'm not gonna go to them go to them if I want to learn jiu-jitsu. Certainly. And so um um although both are needed. And so, and you talked about some uh some of my mentors uh as well, uh Marcelo Mota, he, he's uh he's a mentor for me. Uh and you, you've you've been teaching me for a while. I appreciate uh it. we've had this relationship where
2: you know, for years. And what has it been a decade? I yet? think it's been something like that. I think well, I, I I've known you since I was fifteen. So right. I, I've known you for thirteen years, but we've Got been it. training consistently together for about ten years.
0: Got right. Yeah. I think what's cool about you guys is you have like this co mentorship.
2: Yeah. I mean you you
0: hit the nail on the head in the sense that you can't have a mentor in every area of life that's going to cover everything. Yeah, you know, no. skills are individualized. So you're a mentor for John for wrestling, and John's a mentor for you for jujitsu. You know what as, I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's worked it's, out. Yeah. beautifully. It's honestly. cool to have like a yeah. co-mentorship because sometimes it's like, okay, I truly am the mentee, and they're the mentor. That's why some of
2: my favorite sessions are just coming over here on Mondays and Fridays and just just working through stuff. Yeah, yeah. there's a mutual yeah. benefit. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: that's rare. I feel like that's rare because there's not many people out there where it's like. Their mentor you, you switch roles in some capacity and all of a sudden you're their mentor too yeah. you guys have a unique right. kind of relationship yeah, very, there but we're very it, lucky it, so. we are it, it is such a blessing it, it, and it is rare
1: um, He, you know first of all you know John's a student of jiu Jitsu um, and he's a great student of it and uh, I, I'm a people also and so you know it's, it's just like anything else if you want A's in math, you hang around people who get A's in math. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to hang around the people who get C's because um, you know I'll probably end up with a D. You know, so it's it's just like that, and and that's how I've 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 chosen my mentors throughout my life. Um, um, in the very beginning, you know, it was you know um, characters in the Bible like King David, yeah. um, and who is one one of the most flawed people in the Bible. But uh his relationship with God uh gave him uh a type of perfection. Uh and so um it's, it's you know there's there's just some par- I have used there's just some parallels, you know, that I uh that I still ascribe to subscribe to. Um but you know, the same thing with uh, John,
2: Marcelo Mocha, Drew Lawrence. Drew Lawrence has been a He's a huge really big in Lawrence your life, thing. right? Yeah. yeah I've only met him a handful of times, but I've heard he's a phenomenal coach.
0: And can you kind of explain who Dr- Drew Lawrence is, like kind of his background and stuff for people who don't know?
1: Drew Lawrence uh, was uh, is a Muay Thai fighter, um, but uh, today he's a Muay Thai coach and um, MMA coach. And uh, in all honesty, uh, you know, we, we have, you know, there's some gyms that have grown very, MMA gyms that have grown, grown very tough here. A lot of those guys have come to Drew Lawrence yeah. and asked him questions. Um, I'm not going to name him, but we know who the tough ones are. Um, but uh, they've, they've come to Drew Lawrence uh, to pick his brain. And uh, so that's kind
2: of cool to see. One of the uh, things you've described to me, too, that is rare in a coach, and you're actually very good at this with transitioning wrestling to jujitsu. but you've mentioned that Drew is very good at – Transitioning, striking, and grappling together, and that's that's a rarity in a, in an MMA coach.
1: I've ne- I've been around some of the greatest coaches in, in, in MMA um, because I you know I've, because of my wrestling background, I've gone out to help those guys uh, um, become better wrestlers. But I've never seen anyone like Drew Lawrence. He he has he has a grasp on it and all. He's a true mixed martial artist. Um, I could I mean he. My wrestling credentials are greater, but he can. But he's able to. Um, he's he's able to help me transition, you know, from jujitsu to wrestling, or wrestling to jiu-jitsu,
2: wrestling to striking. Because yeah, there's some guys that are great strikers, great strikers, that, and great striking coaches that look horrible while they're grappling. Yeah, and, and vice versa. Guys, that are the great grapplers that they could never throw a punch in their life.
0: Right, or, or, or. just people who are good at their individual discipline, and then they try yeah. to transition to MMA, and it doesn't work out exactly. well. Like. Um, in recent history, there's a guy named Gohan Saki. I think okay. that's his uh-huh. name. He's okay. he was a K1 champion, moved over to UFC, got knocked out because yeah. he couldn't translate his yeah. kickboxing different, different to MMA. Yeah. Right.
2: But I've right. heard that about Drew from multiple people, where he, he's got a talent for the the transition.
1: It's it's his talent. It, it it truly is because I've like I said I've been around the greatest coaches in MMA, um, and I've still only seen one Drew Lawrence, and. Um, and, and the and he's just a great coach all, all around you know is uh he's he's a he's a coach you know in the cage and, and out of the cage um he he has I, I really appreciate what he has going on there uh you know MMA attracts a lot of young people yeah. and uh he's a mentor to he's a mentor to them um they come to him in in his it's just cool to, i've seen so many lives transform you know um being at uh pariah MMA with drew Lawrence. Um, but, um, um, it's, he's just that guy. Yeah. He, he's just that guy. And, uh, for me coming from, you know, a wrestling background, a, a strong wrestling background, like we, in wrestling, we don't smile. In wrestling practice. <laughs> you know, I was a resident at the Olympic training center for 10 years. There's no smiling there. There's no talking about, you know, this is, it's just a. Just a it's, grind. It's it's just a grind, yeah. and that's it. You know, you you smile when the grind's over. Yeah, and um, you're happy it's done. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and there's there's nothing to smile about until you beat somebody, and in in that short lived because you got to go, got to go do it again. You got to go yeah. do it all over again. But um, um, Drew's personality, he it's he he has a humorous personality, so it, I, I love that because. I, find, I, I can't tell you how many times I catch myself laughing in practice. In the beginning, it was off for me. I was like, oh, am I, is that okay? You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Can I be happy here? Yeah, exactly. Am is I it allowed a, to have
2: joy? <laughs> right,
1: right. Am I allowed to experience this joyful feeling? <laughs> wow, this is new. <laughs> That's fine. And so um, um, he not only allows it, man, he's he's behind it, you know, most of the time. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a good environment, you know, for people to learn and grow and, you um, um, but you know, you, it's, it's, it's also one of those places that you can't come in with a with an ego, or you're going to get your butt beat. I, yeah. I've I've seen there's been UFC champs that have come through there that have gotten their butts up. People, you know, there, there's it's just not that kind of place where yeah. you can come in with an ego. is is
2: is a learning place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you mentioned some of the. Um, uh, mentors you have now, I'm actually interested in who your high school wrestling coach was. Oh, uh, man, because you mentioned Drake. him to me a yeah. few times. We have never really talked about him, um, but he was a huge support in your life. Right?
1: Huge support. Huge support. And he was, you know, he was, during the time, he was uh, beyond uh, a mentor to me. He was he was almost like, he was a father figure to me in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, um, you know, this is a guy, and we didn't have a, you know, a normal relation, normal athlete coach relationship. Uh, we were close. Um, you know, I was at his house, uh, and that could be because he didn't trust me cutting weight, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, <because laughs> nonetheless, I was, I was, I was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. I think I forget which tournament it was. it was probably either for districts or some other tournament. But, uh, he, he said, Man, you were with me last night. I don't, I don't know why you're so heavy. I didn't see you eating anything. <laughs> I was like, yeah, me neither, goes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Stuck a but, bunch of bonbons after you left. Yeah. The yeah.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was just another one of those, those special guys that I got so much from, especially, you know, it, it being, a, being a teenager. You know, I saw uh, a lot of his life, you, you know, outside of the wrestling room. And uh, you know, there are times w- uh, I remember thinking, you know, I want that. That looks cool. Oh, I like I-, I like the way he, you know, he he interacts with
2: his kids. Well, he really took his role seriously. Yes. It sounds like, and I feel like a lot of a lot of people in these coaching positions, especially when it's teens, like even whether it's wrestling, whether it's boxing, jujitsu, they don't realize as that instructor how much that affects people. Yes, um, and how much you can have a, a positive or a negative impact on their life. Absolutely, um, and and even even at that age, he had a, a massively positive impact on your life.
1: A- absolutely, absolutely. You know, it was, it was just one of those situations where I was looking, but I wasn't looking. Um, and so, you know, he was he was definitely a a figure in my circle of influence. And you can't, you know. Y- you can go as far as you want to go, but you, you, you can't, when you see people live out truth, when you see people live out values, you, that, those are things you never forget because you get to places in life where you understand that, Oh, that value is important because, uh, this just happened to me. Uh, I could have used what, you know, uh, I could have used his advice, but, um, you just, you just, you know, it, you just learn to, uh, Terry Branch is to say all the time in practice, "Get what you need." You learn to get what you need yeah. um, from from people, um, especially mentors. Um, but yeah, he was um, for sure a huge figure in my life, and you know, I looked up to him in, in every way. Um, in every way, great marriage, uh, great relationship with his kids. In um, you know, I communicate with his kids today. Uh, i still I'm still in touch with him. That's awesome. But um, and regardless of what level I, I went to, I would always hear from. Him. I, w- I would always get letters from. Him. Uh, this is before even, before email even started. Yeah. But uh, well, you're pretty old. So I, I am old. <laughs> I am old. But um, uh, so it was you know he was he was always uh a voice in my head. Still today, he's still a voice in my head. You know when you know when I teach club um, or teach wherever I'm teaching wrestling now, they're learning what Frank Drake taught me. They're listening to Frank Drake because it is so ingrained in me. Uh, just that mental toughness. Uh, just just the fortitude, you know, he carried himself
2: with. Yeah. But um, huge impact. There's no question about That's it. That's wonderful. And mm-hmm. then um, we heard about him, heard about some of your mentors in, in mixed martial arts, Marcelo, Drew. Um, what about while you were uh, wrestling on the world circuit? that that's a different level of stress that's a different level of athleticism uh, and I imagine that took a different level of mentorship and I would imagine too like I think a lot of people
0: think okay Olympic Training Center right yeah they're right. gonna bring in the premier coaches the premier right. mentors right so was that the experience for you or absolutely it, it was you know there's um,
1: you, there there are so many legends um, that I got coached by at the Olympic Training Center. Dan Gable at one time was uh, one of my coaches. Um, uh, Sergei Beloglazov, who I think is, I've heard still, you mention him quite a few. Yeah, times. you know, Sergei has two Olympic gold medals, um, five World Championships. Uh, he'll tell you that he has three gold medals because he lost to Japan. <laughs> well, he says he beat Japan, uh, the Japanese, but uh, on record it shows that he got yeah. the silver. And. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, Mike DeRoe, Um and Mike DeRoe, um, you know, that's a name that uh, a lot of people don't know about except, you know, the legends of the sport, like a Dan Gable. But uh, he was someone that came in. He was, he had kind of this father figure uh, way of coaching, uh, way of coaching me. You know, he would introduce me. He's like, hey, Remiko's, hey, Ramiko's like a son to me. And it gave me so much freedom to wrestle. By the time he got to the, by the time he became the coach at the Olympic Training Center, I already knew how to wrestle. You know, I already, you know, I was, I was already beating the best in the world. But he gave me the, I didn't have to change styles when he came. Whereas everyone else that was there, you know, there was some style change. You know, when Terry Branch came, there's some style change. When Sergey Beloglazov came, there's some style change. Because those are heavy stylistic wrestlers. Terry Brands is going to be in your face for an hour, staring at you, uh, wrestling the same pace. Sergey, it didn't matter what position you're in he, he he lived in he lived in positions all his life, you know, always always wrestling life. So he was 20 as he <laughs> as he would say, Russia is a thousand years ahead of the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> and there's uh man, there's there's a uh, you know a lot of truth behind that um it doesn't we've 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 covered some ground you know instagram and youtube have helped we we see the russians and we adopt their techniques now yeah but um anyways and Sergey's over here teaching us which is extremely helpful yeah but um and we can we have access to you know um um russian training systems and things like that so things have changed um, whereas, you know, back then and before my time, if you got, if you saw footage on, 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 a Russian, it was like gold. It was like, oh my goodness, here's, oh, here's, Anatoly Belgr- oh my goodness, here's, yeah. you know, it, it was, it was such gold, um, you know, to get footage or access to those
2: guys back then. But, um, now those guys are all about to have BJJ Fanatics videos. About, exactly. Ready, <laughs> ready for <laughs> us to start <laughs> buying and studying and down here in the basement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, um, um,
1: yeah, there are, there are so many great, uh, just amazing legends at the Olympic Training Center. Um, and, you know, typically, you know, when you're at that level, you want one coach. Um, you want one great coach um, because they, they, they learn your mistakes and flaws, and they, there's a continual building process when you're with one coach. Um, and you know that's the you know that was really the greatness of Sergey Beloglazov and uh, Anatoly Beloglazov, his twin brother. They had the same coach. They never had a different coach, mm-hmm. Granite. But um um, and so he there was a continual building um process with them. And uh, but I'm grateful for all the coaches. I I think I'm pretty sure I had at least ten coaches, uh, all legends in their own right. Uh, At the Olympic Training Center at at different times, but uh, what I'm grateful for, I got to learn so many styles. Um, I got to the fundamentals were the same, but I I got to learn learn so much more because you know you can't when you're teaching. You know, I I, I teach wrestling today and coach wrestling. When you're teaching and coaching people, you can't teach them one style, Uh, and you have to teach them beyond fundamentals. You have to be able to look at you know an athlete and say. Ah, uh, hey, your ability, your athleticism is gonna lend to this. Or your lack of ability or lack of athleticism is gonna lend to this. Uh, and so, you know, you, you have the ability to to coach people according to their to their ability. You know, I'm not gonna if I if I have a um oh, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to talk about it. I had this, I'm not gonna say his name. I had this one kid. Uh, I almost told his parents when I first started coaching him. Um, that I couldn't help. It was Justin he wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> was it Justin? Was it Justin? No. Oh my no, gosh! Was I was, was about up. to laugh
0: if it was Justin. <laughs>
2: oh,
1: but uh, he, uh, this kid, to me, had like two left feet, and he wasn't able to do a lot of the technique that I was that I was showing, and uh, it was it was it was painful for me. And I was, you know, so close to telling his. And they were paying me a lot of money. These are private lessons. Yeah. And so I was so close to telling his parents that I couldn't help him, but he had such a hunger for wrestling. Like he ate everything up. It was horrible, but he ate it up. And I was like, I I can't. He's. uh, This is. This is. I I knew. I knew for sure it was a rare hunger. I was like, because I don't even know if I'm this hungry.
0: But uh, he ended up being a four-time state champion.
2: Losing can be very motivating.
0: Well, oh yeah. I mean, you've already kind of touched on that as far as like your experiences of like, hey, I thought I was going to be done with wrestling when I became a state champion. Yeah. Didn't become a state champion. Okay. Well, now I'm going to go to college. I'm going to become a national champion. Okay. Well, now I'm going to go to the Olympic training center. You know what I mean? So exactly that that motivation you know can be huge. Absolutely, no question about it.
1: But um, um, you know this kid didn't have a lot of talent, but I but I but I learned how to coach him uh, with what he had. And uh, the funny thing is that he had, you know, quite a few athletes that could kick his t- that had kicked his tail. But when it came time to win a state title, he tore him up. Yeah. And it was, it was, it, we just taught him. I just taught that him how to That was probably a fantastic mentorship.
2: There. What's that? That was probably a fantastic mentorship opportunity for you. Yeah, and it, a learning it was. Opportunity for you.
1: It was. It was. You know, I, I had. It was, it was just one of those times where I had to believe in. Uh, what God had given me, you know, for this for this person, and, and believe in believing this person, but um, but it, so going back to the coaches, um, it, there, there is, I had a lot of them, but uh, the benefit of having so many was that I got to see so much more uh, than I would have seen had I been uh, just with the, with the you know one coach. Um, so I don't have any regrets about that. They're and, and they're all great guys.
0: You know, some of them I, I still talk to, and and we just have a good time. Love it. So I have a question that kind of goes in line with some of the things that you've already talked about, but I think your average person, regardless of what they do, the idea of being world class in something is kind of a foreign concept. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could be sports, that could be a career, but you obviously were a war, you were a world class. Excuse me get that out you were world-class living at the olympic training center doing some of the things that you did in wrestling you didn't mention also that you were a professional mma fighter as well what does it take to be world-class and i think and i'm not just talking about physically i'm talking about the entire package you know because i think a big part of it too is your mindset you know trying to be that level so talk about what it takes to be world-class in your opinion well
1: you know from the very beginning of it uh it starts with just a desire uh, you, you have to have a dream to, to be that, uh, the hunger to be that, um, because your first day in may be your last day in uh, if you don't have that. Um, and, and just to support that, I remember um, a friend of mine uh, who won the Olympics. He was, he was actually my training partner. He won the Olympics in 2000 in Athens, and he came back out to two, um, in 2002 to start the cycle again uh to you know to hopefully repeat repeat it in 2004 and he stopped showing up for practice at the olympic training center um for about two weeks about two weeks i hadn't seen him and i was like hey everything okay i I haven't seen you because you don't miss practice at the olympic training center unless you're on your deathbed and uh he said no man i'm done i was like what you're kidding he's like i don't have the want to anymore and i was like say no more because you don't have, if you don't have yeah. that, you don't have anything. So, so that was an Olympic champion who couldn't continue practices um, because he didn't no longer had the desire. So you have to start with that uh, to be world class in anything. You have to have the desire. You have to have the dream and hunger to be there. Um, I think secondly, you have to get, um, um, and these are not necessarily in order. So when I say secondly, I'm, yeah. that's just the one on my mind. Absolutely. Um, you have to be in the environment. Of other world-class athletes, um, and 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 that doesn't have to be. Uh, they don't. They don't have to be. They don't have to physically be there. It could be from today. We we you know, back then. You know, for me, it was DVDs. Today is um, um, uh, YouTube. Um, DVDs still. I think. Are they still making DVDs? Um, we kind of digital like digital yeah on our computers <laughs> yeah. yeah digital DVDs. Yeah. I spend a lot of time on the ranch, so I don't. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Um, but anyways, uh, we have so much access to world class athletes. Um, you know, like we, you could bring world class to any basement. You know, you, you really can, as long as you have a student who who understands the technique they're showing, why they're showing it. Um, that's you can bring world class anywhere.
2: Well, we talk about that all the time when it, when it relates to the technique videos. The three of us and, and beyond are watching right now. Right. is the value of having uh, a black belt or even just a jiu-jitsu instructor today has changed from what it was five years ago. Five years ago, you were learning the technique that they had built throughout their life. Right. Now, they are helping you understand, hopefully they have a good grasp on it, but they are helping you understand the technique that you're both learning together from the best in the world who are releasing this technique. Right, And uh, it's a totally different thing. It's so cool to see because guys are getting better so much faster yes yeah it's awesome certainly
1: better faster um but you know that's one of the things that has to be in place you you have to be in an environment of world-class people who can you know who can who can show world-class technique um um, you know in it doesn't have to be gordon ryan you know showing the world-class technique it could be in all honesty it could be a white belt Showing Gordon Ryan's technique—that's world class.
2: Yeah, as long as they understand it well. Exactly.
1: as long as they understand it well. But, um, um, and and now I will say it, it does help to have a you know a world class athlete around because you you catch that mentality. Is you don't learn that mentality. It it happens like osmosis. You, you catch it. Um, you know, I never forget one of my coaches saying, uh, "This is." Um, I think I had like two Russians in my weight class and, uh, the Olympic champion in, uh, in an Iranian. And I, I had them all. And, uh, and, uh, gratefully I, I, I beat them all. And, uh, he said something was like, you know, something like winning is contagious or, or something like that. He said, and I, and I said, yeah, you're right. You're right. But, um, you know, I'd been around, you know, that caliber of guys for long for a long enough time to catch it you know and i you know i caught you know i caught some in high school you know i was tough when i got to high school but you know i caught my high school coach's mental toughness also that was another level of mental toughness because that dude was just he was just tough as nails um but um i didn't even think it was okay to eat ice cream until i left (laughs) high school i was like (laughs) (laughs) but uh um you, you, you have to be around someone to catch it because they can't help but show it. You know, there, it, there's no effort to show that mentality.
2: It's, you just catch it. Well, I even think, and they're obviously very similar sports, similar martial arts. But having you and Adam around at Prime has been good for everybody. In training, just because it's a, it's a different mentality, and the they, you know, Adam's been there like a decade now too. Yeah, but, um, but just the the difference in, in mentality that that was brought with that, right? Was, was huge. So. Right.
1: No, there there is a difference. There, there's no question. Um, but um, but yeah. So you know, you have um, um, you have to have the hunger. You have to have uh, that circle of influence, and you have to have. Um, someone there who who is world class. There's some some exposure to them, um, and and that's that's really it. Yeah, that's really it. I mean, you could you could become a world class athlete in the park. You could do it in you know somebody's basement. You could do it. It doesn't the, the location doesn't matter. It doesn't matter with who, as long as those things are in place. It's desire and. and
2: qualified company yeah yeah
1: yeah i remember when i when i was at olympic training center you know they have stated out facilities there and then they showed us footage on um what the cubans had uh i was like what <laughs> that's the you know cubans you know they're considered you know top three in the world uh as a team in uh for wrestling and i was like you got to be kidding me i was like in it in it It looked like they were in like a shower, you know, training.
0: You talk about that so Yoel Romero was on Joe Rogan's podcast at one point. I know Yoel. And he talked about how they would incentivize their wrestlers with stuff that we would just consider to be like a commonplace. Me- uh, yeah. yeah. They would be like, you like okay, you get two more. meals a day, yep. but if you're a world champion, you get three meals a day. Yep. If you, if you're a world champion, you get wifi, <laughs> you know, or you get a TV. Like, yeah, they're it's not, not living here. in these state of art facilities. They're <laughs> just, it's people just <laughs> like crazy. you said, world-class people yeah. surrounding themselves with world-class people. Everybody kind of brings each other up alongside and they have the desire.
2: Yep. Yeah. That is it. We well, have to it. have that desire to survive. Right. Yeah. It is survival. Yeah. yeah. It's, Ma- it's
0: Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, they don't right? even
2: have their basic needs met. Right? They're like, I need to wrestle to get my needs in. Like, and he I mean? wins this match. You get a you get a bed tonight. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so you've been a mentor of mine for 10 years now beyond. i just been seen, an honor. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you every day. And I've seen you mentor other people. In, in our life, you're a big mentor, Moe's. You mentor Marcelo. That's a very similar peer mm-hmm. mentorship as well. You've mentored a lot of people uh, at Jiu Jitsu through Prime. Um, you have six boys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I even know people. I mean, Mary Kelly was a wrestler with you at the OTC, and she mm-hmm. was my old boss when we I finished. She talked about how you mentored her, and I've met people, mm-hmm. um, you know, the different areas of life that you've mentored. So uh, it's a role you feel well. Thank you. Um, you're very talented. You take it very seriously. What are some of the strategies and tactics that you bring to mentorship? And I know that's based more than likely on the individual. Like, you probably would mentor me in a different way mm-hmm. than you mentor John, because I'm obviously not as mentally tough as he is. Right. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> um, but what are some of the different strategies and tactics and, that you bring to that? And, and you know, parenting, wrestling, life. Religion, whatever that may be,
1: right? Um, uh, let's start with this. Um, let's start with the concept first, because all the strategies simply they just follow con- concepts, um, not just in mentoring but in, in everything. And the con- the first concept is you just have to have a heart for people. And I remember years ago, uh, maybe a couple of de- at least a couple of decades now, uh, I recognized that I didn't have a heart for people, yeah. <laughs> and that <laughs> and that bothered me. And, uh, cause you know, by this time I had gotten around some people, uh, who had hearts for people and, you know, the, these are, these are mentions of mine, um, you know, just, just teaching me that if you truly want to be successful in life, you have to have a heart for people. And so, um, I spent, you know, uh, some conversations with God and they were basically, you know, God, give me a heart for people. Uh, and, and not just for, for my success, but, them, you know, and there was a, um, and I remember early on, this is even before this, uh, I was reading something in the Bible and it was a conversation that, uh, King David had with God. And, uh, he, David was just, um, basically, um, um, confessing to God. He's like, I know why you have made me successful. I know why, um, you've given me so much prosperity. It's for you. It's for the sake of your people, Israel. Uh, so it was for, you know, those, uh, the nation of Israel, it was for their sake that God made David as successful as he was. Um, um, and so I remembered that and I, and I, and I just got it. And then, you know, over time since then, I just, you know, I, I've, I've been able to look at, you know, you know, God is a creator. God is the creator, not a creator. He is the creator. And, when I look at you know the universe as, as much as I can and, and as and as detailed as I can, um, his fingerprints are, are on the, on creation. You, you can't if you just pay attention. You 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 wouldn't be atheist. You you have to understand that God did that. Hmm. You know. Um, but when I look at human beings, I see more of his fingerprints and more depth of his fingerprints on human beings. It amazes me. Yeah. It, it fascinates me. And so I learned that um, that's where he sp- spent most of his time. That's where he spends his time. Uh, that's where his heart is. Um, so you say that the
2: basically your your mentorship comes from the love you have for what God created, in yes. your mind what God created. And it your, is as great as... Your and your empathy towards every individual it exactly. also almost
0: sounds like you're saying that you know we're given talents abilities characteristics and we're not it's not our intention to keep those talents abilities or characteristics to ourselves. we should be imparting some of those things on other people absolutely when you're ready though when you're ready you know th- it, there's there's a journey to that
1: well, I'm sure um, there's a you
2: know development stage right, right. and then you you're ready to, Exa- you're, ready that, to
1: so. it. you're ready to yeah. share you're ready to share but um but yeah, I you know I I eventually saw you know human beings as his greatest investment, and so I just naturally arrived you know to the to the place where if that's where what God's greatest investment is, that's where I'm going to put my time and energy my that. resources.
2: That's a great perspective.
1: And so, um, so that's you know that's the concept of it. And so from there on, you know, um, it's just a matter of getting myself out of the way to to mentor. That particular person, because um, um, you know, I'm one individual. I'm, I'm uh, I have a, I have a. Um, there's a program already set in me. There's a way I already have of doing things, but uh, when it comes to different individual it, it, individuals, it, it changes. I, I have to put myself behind. I have to put myself second uh, to mentor uh, different people, um, and so um but the biggest in from from there on it's just it's just loving people you know I you know I ask my I, I asked myself often how can I love this person where did this person need, need to be loved uh that could just be you know showing them uh kindness or they haven't been shown kindness yeah. that could be I, I don't you know I don't know what that's going to be um uh, it could just be you know um uh opening up my day um because their day became whatever it, it there's no people perceive love uh different yeah and so um um i've just you know i just keep myself in tune with god you know to to hear that's how you love that person
2: i love that And one of the things that comes to mind with your mental relationship with myself And, you know, I went through a breakup some time ago Mm. and I was texting you about it and it was near Thanksgiving. And Mm. I told you because you had known this individual for a while and it it helped me out with this relationship for a while. And the first thing you texted me back wasn't anything about that. It was, okay, do you have a place to go for Thanksgiving? Would you like to come to my house? And just to be so immediately thoughtful is something that you have that's unique and it's always appreciated. So
1: thank you thank yeah. you and you know like i said earlier is it's always been in in honor uh with you um is there's you know there's no question about it, about it i'm i'm attracted to warriors i'm attracted to helping warriors i i am that hmm? i'll step out then. <laughs> <laughs> says the warrior who just kicked my tail today right <laughs> but um um,
2: that's probably why you and Mo get along so well, you know, she's yeah. just a savage. Mo is a savage. Comes here and tries to kill us on Fridays. Yeah, oh I mean, my we goodness. we probably get our asses kicked by here in a couple days. So
0: I think yeah. what's really cool to hear, I think, and, and this will probably stand out to some people, especially people who don't, who don't do martial arts, who aren't wrestlers, who don't do jujitsu, haven't done MMA is maybe there's a stigma out there that somebody like yourself would not be so loving and so caring and so compassionate because of your background. But, um, obviously you are, was that, well, you all, were you always that way or was there just kind of a time? Like how old were you when that clicked to you? Like, okay, it's now my duty to start serving other people, to start helping other people. I was in my, um, twenties,
1: uh, early twenties. Um, you know, I, um, after I finished up, finished up at Eastern Michigan University, and I was actually in transition to come uh, here to the Olympic Training Center, I spent some time as a volunteer coach. Um, but um, it just kind of clicked, you know. Uh, Willie, I haven't said a whole lot about Willie Gatson, but Willie Gatson was a uh, my college coach, my um, at Eastern Michigan. He was a he was a, a huge impact on me in that way. This guy was like a ferocious animal he was in in when he's in the wrestling room you all you see is and, and all he was doing is coaching but just inside of him you could just you couldn't you could not could could not not see the animal he was it was the way he talked the way he carried him he was just all animal. And then, uh, obviously, I spent some time away, a uh, time with him away from uh, the wrestling mat. Um, but he was like this loving individual. I was like, "What in the world is that? You know how do you, how do you put those two together?" <laughs> and so um, he was one of the first guys uh, that caught my attention. Um, you know, when when it came to that, and and you know honestly, I struggled with that. Because I didn't want to visit that loving side of me, I wanted to be and I wanted to remain a ferocious animal because that's what the sport requires. You have to be you have to be an animal uh, to be the best. Um, but the great thing is that you learn to turn it on and off. Um, um, and so that's, you know, that's where I got to in my, uh, my twenties. I learned how to turn it on and off. I learned how to be human. Hmm. Yeah. And so,
2: uh, compartmentalization and, in a sense of being yes. able to take this savagery that is inside you a- Exactly. also nurture your sons a- and, a- exactly. and be a loving husband.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, um, so it, it was for sure uh, my 20s, um, mid-20s, when I really started grasping it. I really got my arms around it. Um, and, you know, th- th- those were a lot of conversations with God. Hmm. I remember, you know, that time. It was like, God, how do I be this, you know, this savage wrestler and this guy with a heart for people? How does that work, you know? Yeah. And um, he took me back to King David. Hmm. King David was a savage. But uh, he also had a heart for people. In mm. a heart for God, mm.
0: um, so, um, but yeah, definitely mid twenties. Yeah, so this kind of goes in line with making that transition to being nurturing, making that transition to mentoring people. You've got—is it two sons now that are in high school wrestling? I have—I have a son that's in. Uh,
1: College wrestling. Okay, at, so uh, he North just tech. tech. Okay. He graduated last year. Right. And um, I have my 16-year-old who's a junior, and I have a freshman. Okay.
2: Uh, um, so three out of the six boys right now are, yeah. are wrestling in some capacity. Yeah.
0: So this is kind of a, a two-fold question or a more intricate question. I think one of the struggles that a lot of parents have, and you see it all the time, is parents that are just down their kid's throat about performing or down their kid's throat about... Um, doing well, even at a super young age, like they might be six, seven years old. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a time and place of when they start to transition, they get older. You know, you maybe expect performance out of them. But you being a world-class athlete, being somebody who is at the Olympic Training Center, um, a prolific wrestler, what sort of emphasis do you place on performance with your sons? Um, How do you motivate them to do well? And where's that balance for you with performance versus kind of nurturing them?
1: Um, it, it, the biggest thing is just leading by example. Um, you know, there's, you know, being both dad and coach, that's, that's, that's dangerous territory right there. And so, um, uh, I've done my best not to stay in, Now, when they're in the wrestling room, I'm, I'm their coach. Uh, I'm no longer dad. Um, um, but I'm, I'm their coach. And so they get it just as hard as anyone else. Uh, outside of that, um, you know there's there's some um you know, I'll, I'll guide them but I, I i make an effort to stay out of the way um um outside of the wrestling room outside of the wrestling room i I just want to be dad unless they come to me about something um or they or they want to try- you know like my you know i think um um two of' them at least have said you know dad I, I need you to i need you to wrestle with me i, I need to get better at you know such and such um, but that's them coming to me i i don't want to go to them cuz I, I don't want to expire my time being coach or expire my time being dead um, you probably
2: also recognize that it's pretty easy to push a kid out of a sport
1: it's very I've easy. I've seen it
2: happen a lot with jiu-jitsu. Very easy. I haven't easy. been as, as exposed to wrestling, but I'm sure it's similar with wrestling. Yeah, so.
1: it it is very easy. But um, um, I think um, um, in 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 terms of the pressure, they they get they do get some pressure from me. But I, I think it's just because of the way I, more so because of the way I live. Like I I still train. I I still hard uh, too. Yeah. I I still train hard. And so, you know, when they're sitting down playing video games, uh, they have to, (laughs) they have to see me training, you know, like I have an Olympic tournament next week. Um, And so, you know, that can be hard, but there's, um, I, I, I've learned to keep my mouth shut about Hey, you need to be doing this. Hey, you need to be doing that. Hey, guess who's? Do- I just don't go there because I know how I felt when that was said to me. Um, but um, um, but there's you know there's there's some pressure being a, a black man kid. You know, like uh, you know, when I think of my oldest son, you know, uh, we've and we've had this uh, conversation on, on a number of occasions. But uh, you know, people just expect, and he's very talented. But uh, people expect him to be the wrestler that I was. Now they they want him, they expect him to be that now. And when our paths, our journeys are so different, I didn't have my family pressuring me, or my my family didn't not wrestle. Um, they you know my family they were farmers. You mm-hmm. know I had a farm family, and so wrestling or anything you know uh, outside of. You know what they did to uh, put food on the table was just like you don't do that. Why? Why? (laughs) Why? But um, so that you know, athletics really wasn't a part of my family, um, and so I didn't have to do. I didn't have to deal with that pressure. You know, if anything, I had to. I had to make a decision and stick by my decision. I had. I had to stick to my guns and say no, I'm wrestling because there was some effort to get me away from the sport Mm -hmm. from my family. And I was like, no, I'm wrestling. That's just it. You can do what you want to do, but I'm wrestling. And so, um, but he's, you know, his journey has been different. He's, you know, um, he's had to deal with, you know, um, people who know me, people who have watched me compete, you know, over the years. Um, And it's just one of the things that really disturbed me. um, He was just going into high school, and and someone from the administration saw him do a backflip, and they said, they said to him, "Of course you can do a backflip. You're a black man." Well, I can't even do a backflip.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> to be that, fair, your youngest Caius can most definitely do a backflip. Oh yeah, my like six or seven. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> Caius has been doing backflips since he was yeah. four years old, and so uh, yeah, he's. Uh, in, in, but but maybe, I can't.
2: Maybe that's uh, maybe that's Sue Lynn's side of the. Oh, it's definitely her story. side. You know, she was a
1: you know she was a Husker cheerleader, so. Uh, she's a great tumbler. But, uh, yeah, that's not my side of the family. But, um, but, you know, that's a lot of pressure for a kid. You know, and he went through some challenges, you know, um, um, with the uh, coaching staff there. They, they, you know, they had expectations of him because he was a black man. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I had to coach him through that. You know, he's like, buddy, that name means nothing. This is, this is your journey. Uh, you, you make it that name what you, what you want with it. And, um, I, you know, uh, part of the reason he went to Northwest tech was because I, I told him he needed to get out of Colorado. So he stopped hearing my name. Hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then the coach asked me what I help out at Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to ask Samuel's permission. I was like, buddy, are you okay with this? I won't take this job if, you know, if, if you say no. And he said, no, Dad, I think it's great. You know, I get to see you a couple of times a month. And so that's um, cool. so you you now have a job with them? Yes. Yeah, you yes. go up
2: there, yeah, I said, like every other week, right? Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. Um, you know, it's, it's just another area where I get to impart, um, you know, what I've learned, you know, through the sport, through jiu-jitsu. And they've got a couple
2: pretty talented mongolians up there man right now, they right? has they had some rock stars
1: for wrestlers uh at that school um this past year we had you know two mongol one one of the mongolians was uh was actually seventh in the world wow uh on on the world circuit you know under on, on the senior level circuit and uh so you know no one was gonna touch that dude um uh competitive wise and you know he, he tech this way you know through the That's national cool tournament. for your, your
2: son to be around that. It is. You, well, yeah, you talked about
0: be surrounding yourself with world class people. Yeah. Yes. You know, and the ability to become world class yourself is just that spark of being around somebody who's at that level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's had, and they were training
1: partners. So it was, it was, it was good to see. That's cool. It was good to see.
2: That's cool. Mm-hmm.
0: But um, so question, kind of off topic. Now we've talked a little bit about your ranch. You didn't really mention that in your bio. So talk right. a little bit about your ranch and then also talk about some of the things that your ranch has taught you. And it sounds like you grew up in a farming family anyway, you know, so maybe you kind of already had that work ethic instilled. But talk about your ranch and some of the characteristics and lessons you've learned from having a ranch. Well, um, the, um, the ranch
1: exists as a nonprofit, uh, nonprofit organization today. And, um, you know, one of the cool things that happened when I moved to Florida was that I started riding horses. Uh, I actually didn't ride horses in Georgia. I was a country boy, all get out. But uh, I didn't start riding horses until I was, you know, 15 and in Florida. And so um, my mom's best friend, they, you know, they call themselves sisters. Um, And I affectionately call her Aunt Cheryl. She had a boarding facility. And, you know, typically when people board horses, they they don't ride them every day. Uh, They they think they're going to ride them on the weekend. But when you have kids, you don't ride horses on the weekend. You know, you you pay. You know, whoever the, you, you you pay the facility uh, to keep your pet. That's what you do. And so, uh, I rode their horses, and so um, it was uh, it was a great situation for me because you know I was going into um, it was dealing. With, I had some you know my own challenges being a 15 year old and my mom into a new marriage. Um, um, getting used to, you know, a a new dad, my stepdad, um, you know, who I affectionately call Pa today. But, um, I had my own challenges just adjusting to all of that and, man, riding horses. I just, it was just such a freedom. Um, and you know, when you're in the back of a beast like that, there's a lot of power. You have a lot of power. Um, and you have a lot of, um, um, life-threatening situations along with that but um it was it was just absolute freedom to me and and there is only god knew that i needed that during the time but you know um that was really how sunbride ranch uh started you know during that time i would invite my um my friends uh and i was friends with every walk of life you know in high school um but i would invite them all out to come ride horses with me uh, at different times and and uh the thing that was fascinating, they were always, whoever they were in school, there was somebody different when they, when they got on a horse. And I thought it was fascinating. Um, you know, I've had, you know, people back then from, um, drug dealers, uh, um, drug users, preps, um, dean, dean list students. When I, when I say all walks of life, I mean all walks of life. Uh, they're all there at the ranch. And, uh, they just, they all changed when they were around horses. It was—I didn't know what it was then, but I—it—it it, it, it just stuck in my head. And um, fast forward um, to um, 2000, I think it was 2001 or two or something like that. I was having a conversation with God, and uh, it was more or less a conversation: "You ready for horses to come back in your life?" I was like, "What? What?" What 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 are you talking about? Uh, no, <laughs> and so uh, we had that conversation in two thousand, but uh, nothing really materialized until two thousand ten. Um, you know, I finished up on the world circuit uh, in two thousand eight, but two thousand ten, I had a friend that who knew nothing about my experience with horses. Uh, she just asked me to come out to a ranch um, and help her pick out a horse, and I was you know, fascinated by it because she didn't know what I knew about horses. We'd never had a conversation about
0: horses. So she didn't know that you knew anything about she horses didn't at know all, that I knew but anything. she wanted you to help pick out a horse. She wanted me to help her pick out a horse. <laughs> and it's, I, I know it's very interesting.
1: And, uh, so we drove out to Elizabeth, Colorado. And, uh, I said, that's the one. And I said, she's the most beautiful thing here. Uh, it just, her, her confirmation and everything. Um, Good hip on her, uh, and this was an, uh, an Arabian horse ranch um, and um, and she also didn't know that my favorite horse as a child uh, was an Arabian uh, Virginia and that was the horse that i uh, she was actually an Arabian race horse that I fell in love with, and uh, that was the horse I spent the most time with. I almost took that horse to college but uh anyways um um we left the ranch, and uh, she said, uh, "Yeah, I I know I'm just not I'm just not ready yet." And so she asked me to go again. She's like, "Will you come again with me?" And I said, "Yeah." And I said, it's "Still, it's it's still that same horse." And she goes, "Every time I think about that horse, I think that it's yours." <laughs> what she actually said was that uh, God keeps telling me it's yours, and I was like. Hmm. We haven't had this conversation since 2000, 2001. And, uh, um, our market had just crashed because this is 2010. I was like, yeah, I don't think God wants me to have a horse. right (laughs) now. (laughs) That's your horse. (laughs) And so I had some more conversations with God about it and I just felt at peace. Uh, so I bought the first horse. Um, and she was actually the, um, she's a great, great granddaughter of the black stallion and the black stallion returns. Oh, cool. And so we, we started out good. And uh, she's still sitting around today eating food, eating hay, and pooping and, you know, all the things that. The horses do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's awesome. But um, so, um, so that's where uh, Sunbright Ranch started, uh, way back when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, just me inviting all my friends out. Um, just having a good time with them and watching them fall off horses and uh, laughing about it and, and just connecting with them. And so, um, um, and I spent some time as a social worker when I was in the, I was, I was a full-time social worker as well when I was on the World Circuit. Um, and that just, um, it, it was just a, another avenue for, um, for me to see the need uh, of something that needed to be done. in um, of all places, one of, the, one of the main reasons that I accepted um, um, the residency at the Olympic Training Center was because I, I wanted to be around people um, who, I, because they had so much success you know, in their sport, I just assumed they had the same success outside of the sport. That was not the case all that was not the case i was like no way (laughs) you mean they're just as messed up as i am (laughs) no wonder i'm here but uh and so i saw a greater need there uh specifically towards uh, with athletes um because you know they were a mess i i I was a mess and you know you just you know you just go you just get so far in life um whether you're in sports or, or anything and you you just think you can do it without God. You think you can do it without his input. You think you can do it without, um, his say. Um, and it hurts that way. Yes, you can do it, but to be happy and successful and happy keyword, happy and successful is hard. You, I've, I've just never seen it done, uh, wholeheartedly like that. And, uh, uh, one he wants to be included and it's beneficial for us for him to be included and so that's what I saw at the Olympic Training Center they were some of the most lost people very gifted athletes uh, obviously uh, very gifted athletes uh, who were you know like me at one time who had made their sport their god Yeah. and, uh, and let me just assure you wrestling is a terrible god um,
2: <laughs> violent god yeah violent god <laughs> <laughs>
1: But uh, that's, you know, those are the people that were there. But they're, they're just very gifted, very gifted at their sport. Um, um, but I saw a need there um, for more than sport. Um, and so Sunbright Ranch became, just became one of these things where we just um, build confidence in people. Um, and if they want to hear about how a relationship with Christ works, they can hear that. But it's, it's, it's not... Is not one of those things where they come through the gate and say, "Hey, here's your Bible." Uh, Jesus is "Lord," yeah. uh, I would I wouldn't survive in, a, in an environment like that. Yeah. Um, it's just the foundation you use. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they just get loved on. That's 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 just it. You know, we we build relationships in, and, um, and they and they learn it through horsemanship. I love that. I love that. But one of the things that, you know, you asked what, what um, having the ranch has taught me patience. You have to have a lot of, you know, I, I train horses also, but you have to have a lot of patience uh, with horses. And so you, you, you get to exercise that patience. Uh, and it carries over to people, uh, to relationships that you have uh, with family, uh, people that you work with, um, because you
2: don't have patience with horses, you, you, you can get hurt pretty easily. Well, um, this is how we'll finish out today. I, uh, I, I, something that constantly plays in my head when I think about mentorship advice that you've given me, and this can be related to anything. And this is actually a more recent piece of advice you've given me, maybe maybe within the last year, um, about the concept of protecting your hunger. Mm-hmm. And that's something you talk to me about a lot. Um, you talk to me about this related to firefighting. Mm-hmm. You talking about this related to jujitsu, um, and just that—that that especially if you're going to do something—and uh, and you can—I'll have you jump in on this in a moment—but especially if you're going to do something for a long period of time. I mean, a high school wrestler that only plans on wrestling in high school doesn't necessarily need to protect his hunger. Mm-hmm. He might just need to work really hard, as yes. long as he knows that his plan is to stop wrestling after mm-hmm. high school. But if you're going to do something for, you know, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 13 years. I plan on doing jiu-jitsu another 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I have to protect my hunger. What do I get out of it? Mental release, physical release, beautiful community. If I overtrain and I lose my hunger for jiu-jitsu, what am I losing in my life? I'm losing a huge part of my life. It's the same with firefighting. I want to be good at my job. If I work an overtime every time I have a four-day, mm, I might not care about my job anymore because I'm mm. too tired to care about my job, Right. and then am I really even good at it at that point? And so that's a concept you've instilled in me, protecting my hunger, and that's a concept I wanted to share today with our listeners. Take that into your life. I think that's beautiful for me. It's okay to rest sometimes. It's okay to take a break, and that might actually make you better. Mm-hmm. So it's great. right? You know, that's
1: protecting your hunger is that's that's huge. Um, um, you know, like you were saying earlier, um, if you're going to do this for the rest of your life, even if you're even if you're going to be involved with this thing for five years or or, or a decade, um, you're gonna have to protect your hunger. Not even just to protect your, yourself emotionally and mentally and physically, um, but to get better. Yeah. To to get better. Um, because if, if I don't have a, if I'm in a room, um, it doesn't matter whether there's a world class or no class. If, if I'm in a room in, in things are being taught and I don't have the hunger, um, I'm not going to learn anything. Yeah. Uh, nothing is, I'm not going to retain anything. And so, but when you come there hungry, all you need to see is like one thing or, or one detail of the thing is like, got it. Could
2: change your whole next couple and, months e- of training. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so you 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 go there with that hunger and you come back with that little piece of thing and and you drill it. You know, that's like your thing is like, "Oh, I can move my left toe." You know, or, I or my big toe. That's that that may be the next thing you need it. But if if your hunger is there, your hunger is there. Yeah. um, um or I need to move my hand here. And did you see what he did? Did you see how he moved his hand? That's hunger is its own energy yeah um, but um, in it precedes technique it precedes the art uh, you, you have to have it but you um, I' would definitely say to um, you know uh, people you know just getting into the sport you got to learn how, how it works actually first you yeah. can't you can't come in um, for a month ready and to say, rest a day too. You, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can't come yeah. in, and, you can't come spend a month and say, hey, I need to protect my hunger. I, I won't be here for the next week or two. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work that. like that. I get that. But um, um, you, you definitely have to, you know, go through the grind of, of, of whatever you've set out to, to do and, and accomplish. And then, and you'll know, you'll know, um, you know, if, if this is something you're going to do for a while, if this is something that you see the, the, the benefit and joy of doing for a long time, That's you're, you're just going to know, okay, I need to start protecting my hunger.
2: Absolutely. Well, Ramiko, we uh, really appreciate your time today. Thanks it's for been an on. honor. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate Thank your you. mentorship, and uh, we'll definitely have you on again.
1: Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Sweet.